This WBEZ podcast is supported by the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Suicide is a topic that hides in the shadows. It's time we talk away the dark, learn how to spot the warning signs for suicide, and how you can have an open, caring, real conversation to help save lives. Visit the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention to watch the new short film and learn more at AFSP.org slash talkawaythedark. This WBEZ podcast is supported by Ravinia, with over 100 concerts under the stars this summer, including Daryl Hall and Elvis Costello, Nora Jones with special guest Mavis Staples, the Beach Boys with special guest John Stamos, Shaggy and TLC, Jason Isbell and the 400 Unit, the Chicago Symphony Orchestra, and more. Their 30-acre park is nestled in a gently wooded area. Bring your own picnic or eat at one of the park restaurants. Tickets available now only at ravinia.org. I'm Justin Kaufman, and this is Reset. Coming up in just a bit, two black-owned businesses caught up in the looting on Monday morning. If this area is not safe, I just don't feel like I should even even consider looking at any other areas in Chicago. But first, Joe Biden could announce his running mate any minute now. With less than a week until the Democratic National Convention, Biden faces growing calls to select a woman of color, and particularly a black woman as his VP. Senator Kamala Harris, former Obama National Security Advisor Susan Rice, and Illinois Senator Tammy Duckworth are among the finalists. Any of them could break the barrier and become the first woman VP in U.S. history. Kara Mosley-Braun knows a thing or two about breaking political barriers. The Illinois Democrat was the first black woman to serve in the U.S. Senate, elected back in 1992, and later serves as an ambassador to New Zealand and Samoa. She's also the first black senator ever in the Democratic Party and one of the only two African-Americans to serve in the Senate in the 20th century. Ambassador Mosley Braun, welcome back to the program. Thank you for having me. Ambassador, based on everything that's happening in the country at this moment and based on how Biden's campaign was revived by the black vote in South Carolina, does he need to pick a black woman as his running mate? My focus is on getting Joe Biden elected president. Just so you know, <laughs> I, I, I said to others, I will volunteer to go to Golgotha if necessary, whatever it's going to take. So whoever he picks is going to be fine with me, but I would obviously prefer an African-American woman. Uh, I think that that would be, again, the capstone of all the progress we've made as African-Americans in this country. And frankly, women, black women, are the strongest constituency. And that's the, that's the group to which he can look for uh, almost universal uh, unanimous support uh, when it comes time for the election. Right. But whatever it's going to take to get him to win the presidency is my objective. In your estimation, why is it important that the nominee be a woman of color? Joe Biden's candidacy uh, was revived by black women in South Carolina and other places in the country. And so this is, this is like a really uh, loyal constituency. And, you know, uh, Harry Truman's not, uh, statement notwithstanding, the fact is loyalty matters. And loyalty is an important value that I think Joe Biden embraces and he reflects. So I'm hopeful that out of loyalty, um, not tokenism or anything like that, but just because this is the constituency that has brought him this far and will take him the rest of the way to the presidency. Ambassador, when, when you got to the Senate and you recognized that, that you were alone, essentially, how, how did that work? How did it work for you as, as a person of color, as a, as a woman, a black woman, to interact and, and be given powerful committee chairs and, and to be a part of the U.S. Senate uh, as such a minority? 
Well, I have to tell you, it was a huge learning experience for me. I learned an awful lot. There were a number of things I just hadn't expected that I wasn't familiar with, that wasn't prepared for, um, uh, not the least of which was that people were more interested in what I look like as, and, and what, I, well, what I am as opposed to what I had to say about anything. Uh, I'll never forget during the debate on welfare reform, I got up and started making some statements about poverty in the United States and poor people and what it meant. And nobody could get past the fact that here was a black woman standing there. And so it fed into all the stereotypes about welfare women, you know, the Cadillacs, et cetera, and all of that. And I didn't realize until that very moment that I was the face of a stereotype. And so that was one place where I learned. Another place where I learned uh, a lot had to do with patriotism. Black people have been involved with this country and the revolutions in this country since the very beginning. And what I didn't realize until I got to the Senate was that my patriotism was being questioned. Mm. It's like, how can you question somebody? My ancestors fought for this country uh, from the time of the, of the, of the Revolutionary War, you know, straight on, straight on up to now. In every war, the men have been involved, at least. And the women, of course, is supporting uh, the United States. And how can you question my patriotism in all of this? Uh, but, but it was, because I guess the assumptions, again, back to racist assumptions and white supremacy, I had not expected those things, um, but I encountered them when I got to the Senate. Yeah. You know, when we think about um, women of color in power, it's, it's changed dramatically when you think to 2020. Just here in the city of Chicago, you've got the Chicago mayor, Lori Lightfoot. You've got Cook County Board President Tony Preckwinkle. You've got the state's attorney, Kim Fox, who's coming on the show a little bit later. All have broken barriers of their own. So, so where does Chicago and Illinois stand when it comes to black women and political power? Well, the unfortunate truth is that we are really still the exception. I mean, Illinois is the exception on so many different levels. Talk about exceptionalism. This, this state has distinguished itself as being able to deal with issues of race and gender in better way, in the ways that, are, that far exceed what the rest of the country is up for or has gotten ready for. And so um, we do have black women in a number of positions of political power, um, from the mayor, the Cook County Board President, the treasurer, the state's attorney. I mean, they just go down the list. Again, I was in the Senate for six years and back in the 90s. So um, uh, hopefully this will set the pace for the rest of the country, mm-hmm. and, and the rest of the country will catch up with us. And we will begin to get to the point where talent and capacity and ability will mean more than what somebody's gender or what their color looks like. And so, again, we're moving past those categories that have served to stifle uh, capacity and stifle talent over the years and moving to the point which I think the country has always wanted to be at. It's in in our founding documents where really the content of character and one's ability matters more than anything else. Yeah. When you look at it, there's I think there's 23 black women serving in Congress right now, and that right. includes Senator Kamala Harris uh, of California, but she's only the second black woman to serve in the Senate. And I think about that, and you think about that in 2020. Talk about how that affects and impacts our country, the fact that there's a lack of diversity uh, in the U.S. Senate. It's race, it's gender, and it's class. When you look at the fact that our policies, when people talk about income inequality, the truth is that it's our policies that have given rise to such income inequality. Uh, our tax laws are, are skewed in, uh, against poor people and working people, and the, the tax laws 
favor people who have lots and lots of money. They just do. Now, why is that? If everybody in the room has got lots and lots of money or comes from the class of people who have lots and lots of money, they're not going to care about the guy who goes to work every day and can barely scrape together enough to pay his rent and buy food for his family. It just doesn't occur to them. And you see a lot of that, frankly, in this debate going on now about stimulus. You've got multi-billionaires sitting there saying, why should somebody get $600 a week? You know, seriously, what is wrong with you? You're going to begrudge somebody $600 additional for unemployment when you, you know, you spend that on, you know, on toilet paper in the course of a month, right? I, I, think, I think back to that time in the 90s, and I think about your time uh, serving the country. I also think to now 2020, and of course, this is all surrounding this, this almost this idea that uh, the presumptive nominee, Joe Biden, needs to pick a woman of color. How, how far have we come from, from the time in 1992 to what you're seeing in 2020? Well, that's why I say I think it's such a good news story, because it really is. We have come a long, long way. My mother could not have imagined uh, a conversation about a black woman on the Democratic ticket for vice president. It just would have been incomprehensible to her. And quite frankly, not as something we can imagine. We're having a debate right now. And frankly, with some people saying that it's not, it's not enough, where's the, where's the black female president? So, you know, mm-hmm. so, so we really have come a long way, um, I think, in all of these conversations. I think the LGBTQ conversation is a part of that. So whether it's gender or race or sexuality, I think the country has moved in a very positive direction. Obviously, we have our issues. We've got our real problems, um, not the least of which is the current president wants to drag us back into the 17th century or 18th century, whatever. But the point is, I think we really do, we are moving in the right direction. That's a good sign, and I think that's something every American can and should celebrate. That's former U.S. Senator and Ambassador Carol Mosley-Braun. Looters stealing from big names like Nike or Louis Vuitton don't necessarily elicit sympathy, but it wasn't all corporations that were hit Monday morning. Take Chicago Hair Import Salon on 674 North Dearborn Street. The The black-owned salon has been a staple in the heart of the Gold Coast for more than 20 years. We'll talk to the owner in just a few minutes. A couple of streets away on Michigan Avenue, Rejuve Rejuvenation Studio got looted as well just two months after setting up shop. Florence Hardy is the owner of Rejuve Rejuvenation Suites. Florence, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. So tell me what happened to your business. I just got in today, so I was just able to survey the damage. It just turns out that we got a lot of glass broken. People came in and looked around, but we didn't get a lot of inventory taken. So we're a little lucky in that vein. But we're still cleaning up. We have glass everywhere. Some of our fixtures are thrown about, but not a lot of things taken. You know, for you... um the idea of setting up shop at the at the shops of Northbridge, that's an expensive proposition. Those are those are high end retail spots uh, along that space. And, and with the pandemic, it's been a, a tough slog to get people into that space, into that area. How, how difficult is it to now face this on top of everything else that's happened in the last couple months? Yeah, it has been really hard. You know, our target market is office workers and travelers. And right now, neither of those audiences are really downtown. But we were starting to gain momentum. We had some classes that were getting started. We were filling up our schedule. We started building this community of people who were really excited about wellness being available to them. And now it seems like we have to start over. When you were watching this, uh, like like many Chicagoans uh, on Monday morning, 
What was your response when you saw, because I saw the footage of people breaking windows and, and, and bringing stuff out of the shops on North Bridge. What was your response when you saw that? I was devastated. I was at a loss of words. I, my husband had to console me. I just couldn't believe that this was happening in the place where I have tried to grow my business. So it was, it was devastating, <laughs> for lack of a better word. I could not describe the feeling other than that. When you think about what you have to do to recover and, and you know, actually get back up and up to speed and, and start back up, is that daunting to you or do you feel like you're, you're protected because of insurance, other things like that? Yeah, I don't, I don't feel protected because of insurance because that's another battle in and of itself. I think it is a daunting experience only because I just did it, you know, and now I'm starting over and doing it. And it's not just my store, but all the other stores that were hit. When you're in a mall like this, you really rely on other stores to bring in traffic. So with them damaged and the mall closed for the unforeseeable future, I don't know what I'm going to do in the meantime. Florence Hardy is the owner of Rejuvenation Suites. Florence, thanks so much for joining us. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Let's turn to China McNeil, who's a celebrity stylist and the owner of Chicago Hair Imports up at 674 North Dearborn Street. China, welcome to Reset. Well, thank you for having me. How are things? Tell me about the store. Well, the store uh, was completely empty. The inventory, we were just watching the video footage of the looters that came into our store. So it seems as though uh, the looters and the people that were doing this, they were just literally taking an opportunity to come in and just clean us out. So they uh, actually hit all of the stores along our row. So we're on a row called Gramercy Row where there are other nail salons, barbershops, waxing places. And so they literally took items from one store to the next to break in. So for our store, uh, we were hit pretty bad. They emptied out all of our inventory. We are a supplier of hair goods for different uh, personalities and for local people in the area. And so they pretty much emptied everything. So mm. we have no inventory left. China, when, when you hear people who, who might uh, say, well, you know, there's so much, there's great insurance on the Mag Mile and these big, big boxes are going to be recover Nike or Disney or uh, Best Buy or whatever. What, and, and, and they loop you in or group you into that. How does that make you feel? Well, it actually um, does not make me feel really good about that because, the reason being is that I am a small business on the Mag Mile. So the opportunities afforded to a small business are quite different than they are for large, larger stores. So those larger stores that are on the Mag Mile, uh, they have um, more of a presence, uh, and their presence is usually protected in a greater way, where the smaller businesses, we don't have that same bounce back, Yes, we may have uh, the advantages of having the area policed a little bit more, but the advantages are totally not balanced or equal. When you, when you just look at what you have to do to rebuild, I asked the same question of Florence. Is it daunting to think about what you have to do to, to rebuild and, and re, um, I guess reopen your business? Yes, it's very daunting because uh, the things that I need to rebuild um, – will take time because they were all customized. So all of the things were customized. And so to be able to rebuild, it is a daunting task. It's going to take proper planning. It's going to take resources. 
So there are a lot of things that will factor into uh, being able to restore my business and being able to come back uh, the way that we were before or if we will be at all. I was going to say, do you think about relocating or you still feel confident about being in the Gold Coast? I'm so uncertain about the city of Chicago. Um, It's not that I would even feel um, comfortable relocating because I had already relocated from the south side of Chicago years ago and relocated to the Gold Coast, thinking it would be a safer environment. So at this point, if this area is not safe, I just don't feel like I should even even consider looking at any other areas in Chicago. China McNeil is a celebrity stylist and the owner of Chicago Hair Imports at 674 North Dearborn, which was looted uh, this Monday morning. China McNeil, thanks so much for joining us, telling us your story. Appreciate it. Thank you very much for having us. And that's today's reset for real conversations with real people working to make Chicago the best it can be. Join us here every day or tune into Reset's broadcast 11 to 1, Monday through Friday. I'm Justin Kaufman. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you right back here tomorrow. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.